You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. sessions in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors of unfortunate. For some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman! Celebrity. Why is he writing to you? If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind? What's going on, Dark Knight friends and family? Welcome back to uh, another grandiose episode of the Eternal Night Podcast, where myself, you all know as me, Philip Barker, unfiltered. You can follow me anywhere, Instagram, Twitter, and Vero. You can also follow my co-host here, Craig Blaylock, just Craig Omega on Instagram. Craig, how you doing, buddy? Doing fantastic. I'm getting pretty quick at those intros, aren't I? Yeah, you are. You're getting down. I try, you know, only two years wet under my ears with this podcasting gig so you know <laughs> kind of like our uh, our topic of discussion today um with with fandom dc fandom just you know now just under two weeks away i thought it'd be a fun idea to finally you know kind of pick apart the most um the most recent well and i guess not recent but you know there was a trailer that was done last year for the Batman and then that movie got pushed to 2022 so now we're going to see a second trailer for that film at this year's fandom that's been pretty much confirmed everywhere I think even by the official fandom stuff themselves and their um, promotion but yeah you know it, just as a kind of fun look back and maybe even some insight because you know movies have developed and evolved over time so I'm curious to see just how much of this footage if any of it will reprise itself in the trailer that we're going to see in under two weeks but also you know that there is just enough here you know this 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 trailer that we're going to talk about you know the one from last fandom it, it it's like you know just under two minutes yeah two minutes and 23 seconds and it's only comprised of about 25-30% of filming. And that was before they had shut down due to pandemic reasons. 
and picked it back up later on in July and August. I, I think last year, before, um, maybe even towards the end of the year, I think they wrapped shooting maybe even earlier this year and went back for reshoots in the summer. But um, yeah, I, I know I've seen this trailer for the Batman more times than I can count because I'm just a really huge Batman nut. But this trailer has a lot of substance, I think, to it, and, and it leaves you asking a lot of questions. And I, I remember asking you if you wanted to talk about it to some extent, because we, we haven't. We haven't really talked about this new Batman movie that is coming in March. And, you know, as Batman fans, I feel like it's it's our due diligence to, to kind of talk about it. We'll also talk about, you know, our, our Batman the Animated Series episode, The Heart of Ice, because that episode rules. But that'll be after the trailer discussion. But, Craig, you know, can I just get your brief thoughts on this teaser for the Batman that was shown last year at DC Fandom? Have you have you caught it how many times? Oh, I, I can't even say how many times I've watched it. I probably watched it 10 or 11 times just the first day that it, that it came out just because I was trying to take in everything that was shown in that trailer. And it's just it was so relieving to see the fact that I was so afraid, you know, with all of this stuff that has happened with between Warner brothers and DC ever since, you know, justice league, the fallout with kind of like an Affleck and all this mm -hmm. and how disappointed I was that we weren't going to get Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, because for those of you that don't know, Ben Affleck was going to direct and star in his own Batman movie. And I was as, the fan as the listeners know um he is my favorite live action batman so i was like yes a full movie with ben affleck's batman 100 percent i'm in and then of course all the stories came out we started hearing rumors that it wasn't going to happen and then it did turn out that he dropped out um so i was really worried at first with the production of this movie um and then of course the announcement of robert pattinson as batman I know that got a lot of heat right off the bat. I'm just one of those people. I'm always a let me see something first before I make my judgment on it. I never want to be that person that goes, oh, that actor, they were in this movie, so they're going to be terrible in this movie. I don't like to be that kind of person. I want to see, give me a teaser, give me a trailer, show me something of what their vision is, and then I'll make my determination on it. Um, just because I think back to back when the dark knight came out or was coming out and heath ledger was announced as the joker oh boy i mean youtube wasn't really a thing at that point but there were definitely forums and the forums were exploding with angry fanboys oh who's this knight's tale jerk who's going to be the joker this is going to be the worst batman movie of all time how, how is he even going to act as the joker and then that movie comes out and just changes everybody's opinion and I felt that kind of the same thing happened here. I felt like when they announced that Robert Pattinson was going to come out as Batman, everyone was like, oh, that Twilight guy? Oh, he's terrible. He's the worst actor ever. This is going to be the worst Batman movie ever. Same thing. This trailer comes out, shuts everybody up. You know, I remember Affleck getting a lot of pushback, too, when he was cast. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of outcry. Uh, I know a lot of people made the joke about Jiggly and Jersey Girl and things like that. And yeah. You know, you know, it's it's pretty inevitable. I mean, I, I don't know that Christian Bale might have even had that same pushback because I, 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 you know, I don't think I was even 
old enough to comprehend internet if there were even forums talking about that kind of stuff back then because he was cast yeah. in what 2000 2003 the movie came out in 05 yeah yeah that sounds about right um but now in the age of the internet where you can share at a thought at a whim anywhere on any social platform you're right and the, the outcry for robert pattinson i i think was probably some of the largest you'd ever seen since since keaton and affleck i mean yeah you know, the, 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 he is notoriously from the twilight franchise you know with mm-hmm. kirsten stewart and but i think you know he's definitely made a name for himself as an actor in his own right because of things like the lighthouse things like a uh, good time um also uh, uh there's another film he's a uh, tenet he's fantastic mm-hmm. in tenet and um the lost city of z i haven't seen yet but I, i've seen it like the dude is kind of a chameleon he can transform himself into any role and he still walks out of it this you know more or less the same and it, it's amazing to me that when he was cast i was like okay um, I, I remember seeing the shortlist, you know, or not, you know, I had not, not that I have any connections or anything like that, but I remember, you know, the rumored shortlist making the rounds and it had come down to him and Nicholas Holt from, um, the X-Men series, the newer X-Men stuff with, with McAvoy and Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence. He was beast Nicholas Holt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and I when you know, if, if I'm picking between the two of them, brutally honest, I'm like, you know, I've already seen one cat in one movie franchise that's super heroic. Mm-hmm. Honestly, show me what Robert Pattinson can do, because that dude is is a bona fide, straight-up actor. He can, mm-hmm. again, you know, disappear into these roles. And I was like, you know, he's got the chin. He's got that young look in his eye where he's just, there just something isn't right. You can tell that he can do something like that. And I feel like this role kind of allowed him to stretch in that way a little bit because he's done a lot of very questionable things. Like, if you've seen The Lighthouse, that film is just riddled with some very creative choices. I'll, I'll put it that way, right? <laughs> but then you go to something like like Good Time with, the you know, directed by the Safdie brothers, and it's just an energy... The movie has a certain energy to it. He's playing kind of a criminal, but he's, he's got a brother, so there's a little bit of empathy going on there, and there's just, you know, kind of a, a, a duality, if you will. And I was like, okay, if anyone... You, you really need, like, someone who can do duality if you're going to do Batman, because you mm-hmm. have to do the dual sides of Batman and Bruce Wayne, and then even also, if you're going to go that deep... The, the, the in-between, the inner soul of what Batman is at the end of the day. And I think Matt Reeves might be achieving that because he did cite uh, Darwin Cook's Batman ego as, as a reference point in this film, for this film. Which makes me wonder, is Robert Pattinson's Batman going to be, I wouldn't say talking to himself, but, you know, is there going to be some kind of, like, so you know uh, an, an, an inner presence that you know kind of not necessarily guides him but you know kind of monologues the story as we go along like is there going to be like a, a verbial cerebral sense of like the, the Batman persona in this film I'm curious because it, it kind of feels like it even at the end of the trailer hmm yeah actually now that you mentioned that I didn't even consider that that would be very interesting take on the character if he had this kind of inner monologue that is very interesting because you know the premise of this film that they've released so far that any and anywhere you can find online is that 
He's in his second year. He's the Riddler is coming up and he's a kind of a serial killer to some extent and he's, you know, leaving these clues for Batman. But there's also if you watch the trailer and you've seen the cast list, you know that this is kind of a populated Gotham City and that we will see uh, Zoe, Kla- Zoe Kravitz play Selena Kyle, Catwoman. Mm-hmm. We'll see Colin Farrell, who looks absolutely spectacular in his makeup as uh, Colin, uh, Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin. Yep. But he doesn't even, uh, apparently in this movie, he is not a fan of that name. And we'll also see uh, John Turturro as crime boss Carmine Falcone. And yep. since there is a there are set photos of um, Selena Kyle in like really high dress garb with Carmine Falcone. So I wonder if, you know, it, Long Halloween is another inspiration of this. I wonder if they're going to go down the route of making her his daughter. Oh, yeah. I don't, have you read Long Halloween yet? Or I don't think that's one you've gotten to, huh? I'm in the middle of reading it. Oh. But yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Now you're... Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm reading that. Actually, uh, I'm reading that and I'm finishing up um uh uh metal uh dark knights rising the origin story of all the different dark knights right right so in in long halloween it's revealed that you know selena kyle is in fact one of the children of carmine falcone so I, i do wonder if that they are going to go down that route for this film as well and also, I'd, I'd be absolutely dismissed if I did not mention, you know, the great Jeffrey Wright, who's going to be commissioned. Who, I don't think he's commissioner mm-hmm. yet, but he's going to be James Gordon in this film. And that that I remember when that casting happened, I was like, oh, this film's going to be amazing. He's a great yeah. actor. And he, he him, is him as Jim Gordon. Pff, shit. Sign me up. Yeah, I really liked him. Uh, I mean, he's just one of those actors. When you see him in something, you know, it's going to be good. Um, like when he was in Westworld, I was totally on board with that. He's just he's one of those characters. He he can play the stoic kind of loner type in a way, mm-hmm. but he has to work around people. And that's what I kind of feel is Gordon always comes across as like he wants to work with his, you know, his detectives and his police force. But he has this uneasy alliance with the Batman. And I feel like Jeffrey Wright is the perfect kind of guy to portray someone who's kind of stuck in between these two forces that judging from the trailer from what we're going to talk about here there seems to be a sort of uneasy alliance between batman and the police in this version yeah you know again this is his second year so i feel like we're going to see a lot of like that 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 experimental you know relationship between batman and the gcpd because you know as time goes on obviously you know in our i know my head canon and probably in your head canon you know it eventually just kind of boils down to just batman and gordon mm-hmm. meeting on the rooftop more often than not and just kind of planning their way there it's it's not often you know as time progresses i at least in in my experience that i've seen and read you know batman will appear in gordon's office and he'll you know help out cops here and there but but in this in this in this trailer you know there was a point where where batman and Gordon are in like a caged room, probably like a, uh, a an evidence room, I'd imagine. And there's just a ton of cops there. And I get the vibe that one of them says something to Batman or vice versa. And then all hell kind of breaks loose between the cops and Batman. And Gordon kind of has to get in, in between all of them and kind of yeah. calm shit down. So, well, I mean, and in the trailer too, when he 
the first shot when he walks in. I mean, he's mm-hmm. clearly walking into that crime scene, and there's plenty of cops around, so you can kind of tell that he's working along with the police, but you got to wonder to go against that scene where he's kind of scuffling with them in that kind of evidence room or whatever it could be. Right. You got to wonder if at some point in the story that there's this going to be this breakdown of this alliance that they they kind of have. Or what if he's calling out a dirty cop? That's what, see, that's what I was kind of thinking too, honestly, because now that we know that Falcone's in this, Cobblepot's in it, there's a in one of the scenes when the cop is like, there's a photographer taking pictures, and on the wall mm-hmm. you see um, something about like uh, Maroni. Um, crime bust or drug bust or something like that right so you got to wonder if there's like if batman is going to be dealing with the riddler while also there's this kind of three-way gang war going on at the same time so you got to imagine with these kind of characters cobblepot falcone maroni in the city as well you got to wonder if there is some dirty cop situations going on there oh i don't doubt that there isn't and honestly you know just kind of I guess maybe go right into it you know this this trailer does kind of open up in a very interesting way with the Warner logo and tape and yeah. the fact that you know the first shot you get of the Riddler in action in that he he's taping up a dead mayor and eventually leaves him up you know sitting in a chair with the words it probably probably from like a red pen but you know I've seen some people theorize it might be blood I don't know but there's a message on the on this taped up body that says no more lies right then yeah. we get like you know th- again that shot of the riddler there's there's very few shots of him but i feel like it the, the of the little you see him you're just like yeah that's that's one dude i don't want to run into walking home at night mm-hmm. and again it immediately sets the mood and the tone for what this movie is going to be there's no music at the beginning just silence and the sound of that tape stretching out right and I really feel like that's where you're getting that vibe of this is going to be a very different kind of Batman movie. So to add to that, I've seen a lot of people criticize that in that, you know, that that's just kind of a nod to the fact that it's going to be very werewolf. But I'm hoping, you know me, man, I really don't like putting too much stock in rumors and shit like that. But mm-hmm. there is one rumor that I confided in you recently that I'm just hoping to God it pans out. And the reason I do is because Matt Reeves, to me at least... A lot of people are kind of assuming that this is going to be like a a Nolan-esque real-world light take on Batman. And I'm like, I don't think Matt Reeves is that kind of filmmaker. I don't. I don't think so either. I don't think he's just going to confine himself like that. And the reason I don't think that is because he's made movies like Cloverfield. He's made Mm -hmm. two of the three Dawn of the Planet of the Apes films. He's made Dawn and War, right? Yep. So, you know, he's had played with CGI. He's played with things like that. So... You know, with this film, you know, definitely being set in a different world, which I do appreciate. And I know there's a lot of people who, who, are, who are pretty contentious about that, rightfully so. But even still, like, you know, th- this is Warner Brothers. Before all this, you know, trying to chase the success of Marvel, they were and still kind of are a director-driven studio. And I feel like if, if, you, if you have the DCIP, then yes, maybe it would be in your best interest to kind of do a multiverse instead of a bona fide universe but still you know do a bona fide universe tell stories in that universe 100 percent. but also if you have a filmmaker like matt reeves who and you know to kind of touch on your point earlier 
with that situation with Ben Affleck and departing the role of Batman. That was just one big series of unfortunate events that I, I think also led to Matt Reeves coming on and being like, look, I don't want that to happen to an actor, you know, two or three films down the line. So mm-hmm. let me do a movie my way. Let me not set it in this universe. Let me have complete creative control and create a whole different world for Batman. And Ben Affleck is coming back to the role for the flash. He came back for the yep. extra, you know, the additional photography for Zack Snyder's justice. Like, I don't think he's opposed to playing this role in that world. It's just a question of, will it fit into his schedule? Will the role be sufficient enough for him to come back to? And I'd imagine that would that was the case for The Flash. And it is really unfortunate that we don't get to see him in a solo project, because I know that's definitely one thing that a lot of fans, even since Batman v Superman came out long after that, that have, they've greatly wanted. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I'll take this as a consolation prize, but I will say that despite the boneheadedness at the top of the chain at WB, I still think that them allowing Matt Reeves to just be like, look, I don't want that to happen let me just do my own thing and again i'm not trying to speak on the behalf of someone i've never met it's just based on the the way this film has been presented and what has transpired before you can only kind of assume right yeah so the fact that he gets to create an entire corner of batman to himself and kind of not necessarily redefine but look at from a different perspective you know i find that exciting but i'm also just I just again, you know, the fact that this man has is not like Christopher Nolan in that he he's hyper realistic. I don't think that that's a, a a mandate from the studio. I truly don't. Yeah. Because, you know, the the rumor is that that for a second film that Mister Freeze is 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 a likely villain, and I'm like, see, if that is, and, and again, you know, I really don't like putting stock into rumors. I do not. But mm-hmm. if there were to be a villain that were to follow up this film, if you ask me personally, yeah, Mr. Freeze would be on my list because Reeves already ticked one for me with the Riddler. I've wanted to see the Riddler in live action for a long, long time, long after Batman Forever. So the fact that he's here and he's doing kind of a Zodiac take on it, I mean, if he dies by the end of the movie, he dies by the end of the movie. If not, if he's locked in Arkham, even better. But, well, and even think about it, it, wouldn't it be ironic if the second film that Matt Reeves does, he does introduce Mr. Freeze because those were the two villains that were in Batman Forever. It was the Riddler and, or I'm sorry, I'm thinking, I'm mixing Batman the two movies up. Never mind. I'm being yeah, stupid. You're, you're mixing your movies up, but it's okay. Yep. I got. Where, I get where you're going. I get where your head's at. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like if if this film... If you're setting up these characters, you know, you've got Penguin, you've got Catwoman, you've got the Riddler, and now Carmine Falcone. And also, even by the looks of it, Maroni. It's, uh-huh. It feels like this Gotham is going to be a lot more populated than no one's Gotham was. Does that yep. make sense? Yeah. And what I was thinking of, too, if Maroni's in this, there's a chance that Two-Face is in this somewhere. There's a chance or that at least, Harvey Dent Or at least Harvey up. Dent is somewhere there. Right. Because, you know, the, the Maroney's famously sev- scarred his, his the right side of his face. I think it was the right side of his I don't know. I get confused. Either way, the, the Maroney's famously scarred Harvey Dent's face. Yep. In the courtroom scene. Which, you know, fun, fun fact, you know, before we get even deeper into the trailer, I told you before we started recording that uh, Batman The Long Halloween Part 1 and 2 are now streaming on HBO Max. 
Yep. So like I said, I'd be watching that tomorrow after work. I'm sure we'll talk about those in the coming weeks, considering the, the month of October that we're now in. Yep. But to kind of go back to the trailer, you know, I, I, I remember seeing this picture. There was a picture of this frame of, you know, no more lies. The mayor's taped up face and the person behind it. Like, there was a leak of that photo that made the rounds. I didn't share it, but I saw it making the rounds right around the time uh, filming had started. So, like, February, March of 2020. Okay. But then I, I actually really like that this trailer is cut to um, something in the way from Nirvana, but it's also got a bit of Michael Giacchino's presumed score for this film as well. Uh-huh. And to your point, like Gordon, along with the the you know CSI and a lot of the GCPD, you know, investigating this this murder sequence. I like that there's forensics to it. I like that Gordon's kind of the, the the man in charge. You know, you see him walking through this hallway, and everyone just kind of knows, like, okay, get out of his way. This this is guy. Yep. Like, and I like that he's even got this unsurprised, humble look to him when he's looking up at like all the the, the letters written in red paint, like over the news clippings. Yeah, I'm just uh, sorry. I'm taking a just a closer look here i've got the trailer running just so i can kind of take in a little bit more just looking at dano's riddler and again just this scene of batman walking in and being surrounded by you know with gordon so just, do you it, do you do you know what the riddle says on the letter on the first letter uh no i didn't see that okay part. so this made the rounds after the trailer came out not too long after the first riddle is what does a liar do when he's dead? Hmm. And the answer is he lies still. Ah. So, to peel that back, I like that the Riddler. It, it, it's kind of I, I, to me that reads as the mayor is. He's obviously got something to lie about. So, yeah. Uh, and he's got a lot of you know stories up there about catching Maroni and you know drug bust and things like that so clearly the riddler is aware of some kind of corruption going on within a lot of the political aspects of gotham cities and a lot and a lot of the you know the higher-ups and, and the people the the haves and the haves nots if you will i guess and almost like he he wants to bring to light what these lies are so in a way is he is he doing this for what he believes is kind of justified? Is right. he trying to, in his eyes, he's doing the right thing, which a lot of times, again, like we talked about in our villain episode, you know, characters like Rachel Ghoul, those are the really terrifying villains when they believe what they're doing is right. They're not doing it for nefarious reasons. They think what they're doing is the right way. And also, he addressed that specifically to the Batman. So the fact that he's even there working with the GCPD kind of speaks volumes. And it's also, you can kind of tell that his suit, again, I, I actually really like the idea of him putting the suit together himself. Mm-hmm. And it's got this, again, you know, it might be a little real world, but if, if, if this leads to something down the line where he builds a better suit, I'm for it. 
An interesting thing that I read, I don't know if you've read uh, or heard about this rumor that the um, the Bat logo chess piece mm-hmm. um, is made out of gun parts of guns, and the supposed rumor is that it's made. He's he made the logo using the pieces of the gun that Joe Chill used to murder his parents. That's the rumor that I've seen, is that the chest piece guns that form the bat symbol, if they even are guns, is, is the same gun that, in fact, killed his parents. And I, I know Reeves mentioned during the, the panel at DC Fandom last year that this would be a very personal story for Batman and that it would touch on his origin in some fashion. So, you know, again, again that does not surprise me. Any director, writer, who has made a Batman movie has utilized the origin in some fashion or another, I think, except for uh, Schumacher with Batman and Robin. I think that was the only film in which you don't really see the origin. You just yeah. see, you just kind of see a flashback of him and Alfred. This, I think Batman yeah. and Robin is the only one where they don't really touch on his origin. Maybe The Dark Knight, too, because they don't really touch on it there either. Yeah, now that I think about it, no. I don't think they did it all in The Dark Knight. Well, again, because, you know, they, they famously did it as... Nolan did it as well as he did in Begins. Yeah. And it does kind of come full circle in, in Rises. And, of course, in BVS, you get that intro with Jeffrey Dean Morgan and, and Lauren Cohen. So, and even in, in Joker, I mean, I'm not really big on, on that, that the way that, that version of it happens, but it's there. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very curious to see if if Batman's family, if Bruce's family, is even tied to the corruption in this storyline because there there are that that has been done in comics, but it's also been done in other video games like in um, Telltale. Yeah, it's been a while. I you know I never I played the first season of the Telltale game, but I never played the second. The second season's fun. It's got like Riddler, Freeze. Got a lot of villains in it, so probably be up your alley. And then I know there's also the rumor because I'm just kind of looking at my notes here. That first, I'm looking at a zoomed-in shot of the card in the beginning of the trailer that Gordon is looking at, and the fact that there is a owl, yes, on the cover of the card. So you've got to wonder: Are we possibly looking at a quarter of owl situation as well? And could that be why? Riddler is doing what he's doing. Maybe Riddler has found the Court of Owls, or he's aware of the Court of Owls. That is another rumor that I've seen kick around, too. If the Court of Owls were to make an appearance, and you know, Mr. Freeze plays a part in the Night of the Owls mm-hmm. storyline, so that makes me a little bit more happy. Um, I feel like if the Court of Owls were to be used in this movie, that would be pretty mind-bending, because they've yeah. only been around for a decade. Yeah, literally a, a decade. Like they, 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 they were the first volume of Scott Snyder's Batman run. They were the newest villains introduced into, you know, Batman's mythology at the time when when DC did New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. Um, they they gained a lot of popularity. You know, they had the they were featured in the movie Batman versus Robin, um, and even now they 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 have just a lot of notoriety. They, they you know it's 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 also kind of a, an interesting ploy for Batman because they're a secret society that he had no idea about. They knew about him, um, and they put him through some pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty grueling trials, you know. And I feel like if if you introduce them to a younger Batman, that's even more imposing, especially if they know mm-hmm. who he is. 
And again, you know, looking at him when he rides his motorcycle in the trailer into what you can assume is the Batcave. And like you said, this is only his second year as Batman. It's a very, very rough Batcave. You know, there's just a few tables and, you know, a, a few computers here and there. So he's very much, he's in the beginning stages. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that too. You know, just before, this developing Bruce Wayne developing into the proper Batman that he will later become. You know, even before he goes into the cave, there's a shot of, you know, the outskirts of GCPD. There's, I think, I think that's the, 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 the head of G, the head, the, the current commissioner, I think his name's Sa commissioner Savage or some shit like that. Anyway, you see Pattinson's Bruce Wayne with a mask up and face paint, he's obviously staking out this, you know, this yeah. announcement that the mayor is dead. And it's obviously due to, you know, a, a, a killer in a mask, right? Like, this is them addressing the death of the mayor. And this is Bruce being kind of matches Malone-ish and kind of surveying the area. And obviously, to your point, he goes back to his Batcave, which I've heard rumors about the Batcave. Um, I actually like that it's voiced over by Al, by Andy Serkis's Alfred, he says, you know, you, be, you become a quote celebrity. Why is he writing to you? Like making fun of the fact that, hey, your actions are causing this lunatic serial killer to leave you love notes. Like, what are you yeah. gonna do about it, bud? And I'm just yeah. like, okay, I'm already down for this guy for for Andy Serkis's Alfred. You know, I'm, I'm kind of fresh off of Venom. Let there be carnage too, and I'm gonna be very curious to see, like, you know. After watching him direct that movie, it's going to be nice to see him go back to acting. And also out of a mocap suit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just kind of a... Because, you know, Alfred's always been a smartass, uh, but he's always been kind of, you know, still prim and proper, and it'll be interesting to see what his take on Alfred is going to be. I'm really curious what he's going to look like, to be I honest. I'm very curious. You know, is he going? Like... is he going to be the typical Alfred in the butler suit? I can't imagine that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be... I, I'm very interested to see what their costume choice is going to be for Alfred. So I feel like since later on in the trailer, you know, we see Bruce Wayne proper at a funeral, you'd have to wonder if they're going to... I, I mean, I'm hoping they will, and I'm sure they will, but there's. I think they would hope that they were going to have different attires, and I think we're going to maybe see some proper Alfred, but I think we might also see some rigid rough around the edges Alfred. It's a little bit more... Yeah loose if you will because again you know that that line of you're becoming quite celebrity was right to you i like that he's concerned but i also like that there's a bit of snark there from him yeah because he's aware he's like you realize this is you're you're doing all this you know these are your choices you're going out and doing this you could just be a typical multimillionaire and just go off and do your own thing but you're instead going out as this mass vigilante and fighting criminals. Right, and he's doing it, I think, in either... It's either got to be, like, some kind of subway station or, you know, kind of abandoned mausoleum of, of some sort. And I feel like there was one rumor that, that said that the maus if it's a mausoleum, it's the mausoleum that his parents are buried in. Eh, I wouldn't be surprised about that. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if any of that is even true. Again, and I feel like if it's a subway station, that's another callback to comics in the 90s because Batman used to operate in a lot of the, the subway tunnels um, mm -hmm. to get and to get to and from certain points in Gotham City. He even had a train at one point. Um, but I do like... Oh, that here. I did not know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Batman that had train. A whole, yeah, Batman has a whole <laughs> underground network at some point in the comics. It's actually pretty awesome. 
Um, but here, I I do like that his motorcycle. You know, there is you know the famous uh, test footage going that went around the internet of the the stuff yeah. double falling off the motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> poor guy. Um, I do like that. His Batman motorcycle has the pointed ears above the the light. Very oh, animated really? series inspired. I did not notice that. Yeah, if you, I'm sure if you look up the the pictures, you'd probably find them. But um, to go back to the cave, though, I I do like that it is. It's it's a cave that's coming together, and you can tell that there's there's room for a penny. There's probably room for a dinosaur down there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I'm looking at a still shot. I mean, again. There's one table with a couple of computers on it. Mm -hmm. There's a few monitors in the back, and there's like a few, like rough little things. Looks like maybe like storage spaces for his different vehicles. Yeah. And so, like, he really doesn't have much in this cave yet. No. And I also like that after we see him out of the cave, you know, we actually get a proper look at Bruce Wayne in, you know, we get a proper look at Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. You know, we see him in a, I would imagine this is the funeral for the mayor. For the mayor, yeah. Right, and then it's obviously cut short by this this vehicle that comes in and crashes into, you know, I, I think it crashes into the casket. And the driver comes out, and I think the driver is, uh, oh man, it's an important, it's an actor who, oh man, I forget who the actor's name is. Let me click on my phone because I don't like clacking on my keyboard catches in the audio um god who is the actor who's playing gil colson batman gil colson batman because that's the the character's name is gil colson at least that's the alleged um peter peter sarsgaard so he was um hector hammond in green lantern but here he's playing uh, um a district attorney by the name of at least that's what was released to the press he's playing a character named phil colson Gil Coulson, who is a uh, a district attorney in Gotham City, so he it looks like here, and I think it's I think it's Sars I think it's Sarsgaard. It looks a lot like him, but he's also got a yellow note attached to him yep. to the Batman, right? So obviously, and he's holding a cell phone, and it does look like like somebody is on the line with him. Right. So you got to imagine that's the Riddler. You'd have to think, right? Like it's got to be someone. <laughs> And it's just, you know, I like that there's a, a, a whole bundle of chaos of people just running out the fact that there's a car crash that happened at a funeral. And Bruce Wayne is just staring there at, at the driver who has a message attached to him, but he can't obviously accept it at that point. So he's just like, yeah. this is just, you know, he's just kind of reeling this in at, at like, this is my city. This is happening. And I can't do anything about it right now. And he's you can just kind of see his rage peering through yep. that one single shot of him just kind of standing there and it's like he's mad he's visually frustrated at the fact he can't do anything about it at that point which is going to be very interesting too because we've always seen you know the dark knight returns and you know Zack snyder's batman those are always it's the the worn the older Batman interpretations are the ones that are fed up, angry, full of rage. So it's going to be very interesting. We're seeing a very young Batman who has this attitude. Well, you feel like that this this whole 
you feel like he's probably taken a lot of this personally this time around. Yeah. And I think that did work in, in the favor of, of Bale's Batman and Batman Begins, but it kind of like trailed off when it when it became more about being kind of like a, a symbol, but that, that gets kind of murky when you get in the, the grit of the, the, the following two movies. But here, you know... I feel like taking again, making it a, a personal story about this, how all of this does affect him as a character, and even to your point, like you know the the older versions where it it does bother them, and you see that rage too. And I I think that seeing it here from Pattinson, you know, it kind of just goes back to him having that that look, like that that visual look of of intensity that you kind of just get that feeling of. This guy could snap at any given moment, but he's holding himself pretty well, all things considered. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a... It's it's going to... I'm very interested to see how the fight scenes are going to play out in this film if what we see later on in the trailer is anything to uh, guess what it's going to be like. Right. But after that, we're also... We get a couple shots of uh, presumably selena kyle well she's obviously it's selena kyle's catwoman mm-hmm. a very early days selena kyle's catwoman i actually really like the the aesthetic choice here that they did by giving her a burglar mask as her cat ears i think that's very very inspired, yeah i like that too and then you get that quick shot of colin farrell as cobblepot which uh, yeah. still baffles me every time i look at that that shot i'm just looking at that and i'm like that is colin farrell well, also did you <laughs> kind of look and see where they're at they're at um the docks the dot dot they're at gotham yep. docks right and yep. so that makes sense because i think it, yeah yeah so i'm looking at it right now gotham city of gotham sanitation east side depot that's obviously on the east side gotham's east mm-hmm. side where P- the penguin has notoriously been you know had business had at least from my understanding from what i remember he's always like done business on the east side I could be wrong about that, but I think you're right. Well, in a lot of depictions lately, you know, we see him in the iceberg lounge. He's very, you know, well put. Yeah. He's very well off. But this is, I think, you know, kind of a little bit more early days. But it's early days, but not quite Gotham, Robin, Lord Taylor early days. But you know, kind of the the end of the early days. We're gonna really see him like really like grab up the ladder now and climb. If that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Because obviously he's, estab- he's establishing himself, right? He's at the very end points of really establishing himself, and even by the look of it, just man, he looks absolutely incredible in that under that underneath all that makeup. I tell you, yeah, that that's some impressive makeup work. To, to every time I've shown somebody, I, I've shown a few friends uh, the Batman trailer, and I'm like, oh, can you, can you tell me who this actor is? They look at it and they're like, I have no freaking clue. I was like, that's Colin Farrell playing oswald cobblepot yep which based on his vocal cores at the end of the trailer you know oh this guy's crazy (laughs) yeah Um, i'm very curious to see like what he sounds like you know while while doing business like i'm I'm curious to see his you know hear his mob voice if he's i need at least one penguin (laughs) (laughs) somewhere in there you know i looked at his attire from a couple other set photos and it's very uh burgess meredith is it? Oh, okay. I didn't. Bit, yeah. I haven't seen those. Yeah, it's it's. There's a point where I think they're they're kind of like either walking into or out of the the funeral, and you see, um, you see, uh, Carmine Falcone, you see Penguin, you see Bruce Wayne, and you see Selena Kyle, 
okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, okay. That is definitely Burgess Meredith-inspired. It is, and I, I'm, I'm yeah, always... I like that. I always appreciate when they do little things like that. Yeah. But then after that, we get this quick little montage of, like, Batman in the rain, which, again, I always re- really, really dig shots of Batman in the rain. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I do. Then we get, like, a single shot of those goons... We get, like, you know, Batman kind of pounding something, but then we also kind of see the, the Bat costume. And again, I think this might be a spot where he might be internally having some kind of conflict with that persona or something to that effect. Yeah. Like, you know, like, why is he in a Struggling dark... with himself. Right, like, why is he in a, in a reddit-out room with this costume kind of, you know, hitting shit is he training is he like getting in the mood like I'm, I'm very very curious or maybe you know it's just you know just recognition shots for for the trailer just you know just stuff that <laughs> might not even be in the movie i'm very very curious and then we jump to the struggle between him and the police you can see gordon pushing him up against right the, uh, the gate so it's very curious to see what that leads to which to me, again, you know, we mentioned earlier, I feel like that is, you know, Batman maybe calling out a dirty cop or something like that. That's what I think, too. That's what I'm guessing. And Gordon kind of, you know, being like, and obviously, if there's a reaction, maybe, or even maybe, you know, one of them said something to set Batman off. Yeah. But I could easily see it, just like you said. You know, he accuses, he finds out that one of them is a dirty cop tries to let them know and they're gonna their reaction is well why would we believe you you freak dressed up in some kind of suit coming in here telling us that one of our guys is dirty right because he does kind of go after one of the cops and kicks him a little bit and then like we get a, a, a sweet shot of selena kyle throwing down her her visor on her bike helmet but then we get what i think is um penguin yeah yeah it's penguin and a couple other people like shooting something they're you know they're shooting mm-hmm. something at the dock someone's obviously interrupted their their little um little meetup and i think i know exactly who it is too yep but then we also get the first interaction and i imagine what is the first interaction between batman and catwoman where they kind of have a yep. playful little scuffle a little, little scuffle and like you can see that they're both kind of adept in various fighting styles like she even crouches back like a cat i find that just yeah. absolutely fascinating yeah i like that and he just kind of looks at her too and and like the way he looks at her he's just like huh how about that? <laughs> like i i didn't think i'd see anyone else in a costume out tonight but hey why not <laughs> <laughs> but then there's also just another quick shot of i th- i i think the riddler yeah it's the riddler and he's like He's hitting something, so you gotta imagine he's probably like either knocking out the mayor, put it, delivering the one last blow, or like doing something. But then it cuts to Batman at the crime scene of the car, and I imagine this is another thing left by the Riddler. And Batman just catches an explosion. You see him fall back, and I'm like, oh, oh. So this is this is we actually get to see Batman kind of screw up and be like, huh? I probably should have well, thought that out a little bit better. I've got the trailer paused at the one minute thirty one second mark. And it's in the empty crime scene, and that explosion's happening. There's two people there. Oh, really? One, yeah. One, go to 131 in the trailer, 
and pause it. Now, granted, I'm looking at, uh, I thought I was the official Warner Brothers, but this is a um, another YouTube channel, a film star trailer. And if you pause it just right, there's two people in that explosion. I'm trying to bring it back because I've had it. I had it at 131 from the official trailer from WB, and 131 for them is the Riddler pulling up the the tape. Oh, okay. So I am... and if you can if you can pause it just right, like right after that shot of him with the tape. Okay. It, it's an it's the empty crime scene. The car yeah. is even still there. I see. I'm, I'm but, paused there. Where are the two people yeah. at? They are like right by like the casket. Okay. And actually, and even now that I'm looking at it, near that's obvious. I think that's Batman getting hit back by the explosion. Yes. It looks like there's a. Um, a police robot so maybe they were going in to disarm a bomb and batman decided to jump in and try to disarm the bomb and it looks like it doesn't go well yeah oh wow i don't even see i see i can't even see the people that's strange i'm really gonna have to look for that and that makes a lot of sense too that they would send in a bomb squad to kind of disarm that bomb and batman along with it but he took the brunt of it yeah and again, you know, we get this, we get a, a, a single couple shots of the Riddler, and there's one where he pulls the tape up, and you get a real good look of him. He's got a suit on. I've even seen some promotional material where he, I think he's supposed to have a question mark on the back of his jacket. Oh, really? Yeah. And if that's the case, cool. If not, no big deal. I'm not really tripping about it, but I like that he's wearing a, um, it's not quite a gimp mask. It's actually quite different from that. It's it's actually something oh, yeah, no. that, that, that people in the army used to use. And I like that he's got his glasses over it, which is very Zodiac. Yeah, I'm really interested to see this take on the Riddler, this kind of, again, like a serial killer, seven saw-inspired Riddler. Well, you know, he's obviously got some kind of clue of to who as to what Batman's into he leaves him a assortment of dead bodies along with little notes like with riddles I can yeah. appreciate a more realistic take on the character when it's something that is real world in, in a sense because obviously this is some very sw sick twisted deranged thing you would see you know from like a Zodiac killer mm -hmm. you know and I, I remember even for a long time after after like Arkham City came out, people were kind of kind of hammering to have Riddler be a little bit more, you know, cold and a little bit more like this. Yeah. Because even in like in the Arkham video games, Riddler, he's not really much of a threat. He's he's the purpose of having collectibles in the game. You know, he just sets up puzzles. And right. I think people have just been like fans in particular. They want a different. We've seen so many different interpretations of these villains over the decades that the Riddler has never really gotten anything like that, to my knowledge. So I think this is the first time we're truly going to see a truly different take on the Riddler. Yeah, and I like it when they kind of push the boundaries of what he can do, especially when, you know, he did create a lot of puzzles, but he did also put a lot of people in some very Saw-inspired traps that were yeah pretty questionable. And I, I feel like that there's a little bit of that here with 
you know, again, the, the trail of bodies at his, you know, that he's left him and even the notes. And obviously, you know, I, I feel like that that bomb that Batman kind of goes into disarm probably is a gift from him. Yeah. That kind of tracks. But then we and get... I now, you know, now that I think about it. So that's the, the still that I saw with the explosion. Uh-huh. I almost wonder if that's the guy that was in the car. So he comes out or the car crashes in he comes out he's got the phone he's got obviously a a note to batman Mm -hmm. you can tell the guy's in some kind of peril so maybe he has a bomb strapped to himself they get all the people out somehow they send that robot in to try to disarm the bomb or something batman decides to come in there maybe try to solve the riddle or something along those lines and that's where things go south and the thing blows up kills that guy and sends Batman flying. I don't know. Uh, if, if if that character is there and present, maybe. Or maybe <laughs> what if the Riddler returns to the crime scene is just kind of staking it out? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. You know, this you know, you get the first riddle but then you don't really get a lot of the second riddle. But all of that is said with the over voice of Paul Dato. You get one line from Paul Dato in this, in this whole trailer and he says, if you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? And that, I've been kind of racking my brain on that one for the past year. Yeah. And I, 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 have an, I have a kind of an idea, but if that is the riddle that is attached to the district attorney, then, the, then that would imply that maybe the district attorney has turned a blind eye to whatever kind of you know injustice for a price to some I, I, uh, again, you know, I don't could know. it be the gang wars could it be court of owls he's obviously going after people of power yes. in Gotham and the Riddler knows that they're all obviously work, doing something together they're turning their eyes away from something Right. Like, the Riddler is well aware that these people that are in very large positions of power in Gotham City have probably gotten there through some very unquestionable means. So, and he's probably fed up with the fact that they're just going about their business every day to day, and he's probably tent on exposing it. It's just the way he's going about it is very extreme. Yeah. You know? But, you know, I also like that he does it in a way and he leaves this you know he again you know he's leaving these notes for batman it it does tie back into that obsessive nature that the character has with batman because the riddler mm-hmm. is largely obsessed with trying to make batman you know you know try to one up batman on a, on a mental perspective so this you know this story is a lot it's largely detective, detective inspired that's something Matt Reeves has said numerous, numerous times. And he's also, you know, another major character trait with the Riddler is he's always obsessed with stating that he is the superior in terms of intellect compared to anybody else. He always has to be the smartest guy in the room. So you got to wonder that is going to play into it as well. You know, yes, he's obsessed with Batman, but he's also, making sure that everybody knows that he is the smartest he he's going to be able to outwit everybody in whatever this 
game that he's playing with Batman is going to end up being. Right. And if the game he's playing is an even bigger game that leads to, you know, real, that, that leads to a real, um, you know, exposure to this corruption in Gotham City, then he might crack open a whole can of worms that you might not be able to put back in once they're out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But after that, you know, and I, again, I, I am a huge Riddler fan. I have Dark Knight, Dark City on my wall. I have, um, you know, Scott Snyder's Zero Year and Secret City and Dark City. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to try and find some other Riddler stories, but the Riddler has always been one of my favorite villains, even going back to like the 66 Frank Gorshin days. And even, you know, John Glover from the animated series like that, that, that Riddler, I think, is, is mm-hmm. one of the one of the most iconic takes on the character. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see, you know, Paul Dano take a crack at it. And really, um, I'm really glad he's doing something vastly different from like, you know, uh, Corey Michael Smith and Jim Carrey. And, you know, we, we, we chat and chuckle at, at Batman Forever, but I'm sure that that movie might come up at the end of the month because it technically does take place around Halloween. Uh-huh. But I do like when we see traditional characters like that get you know, modern updated new spins because I think it, it, it really does wonders to breathe life into the character. You know, case in point, um, Superman right now in comics, I think one of the smartest things that they've done for that character is allow Jonathan Kent to be not only the new Superboy, but eventually become the new Superman. Like, he's on his way to be, like, you know, accepting that mantle now in the comics in the form of Superman, Son of Kal-El. And I, case in point for the Riddler here in live action, like, We've only ever really seen, you know, Frank Gorshin, Jim Carrey, uh-huh. Corey Michael Smith. So I'm I'm really glad that we got, you know, a fantastic actor and Paul Dano here, who's just again gonna bring this really wicked, maniacal, you know, feel to this character. And I'm I'm very excited to see where he takes it. But after we get some really nifty shots of the Riddler, we get to the one I think this was probably the 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 piece piece de la resistance. Uh-huh. of where everyone just lost their shit with this trailer is is you know the 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 large skeleton face goons and you got the one who kind of looks like you know he could be from ed ed and eddie if not eddie himself yeah. he's yeah. like you know who the hell are you supposed to be and just robert, robert pat's batman no shits given just beats the absolute crap out of this cat and you can tell these guys at first don't they're not intimidated by batman at all mm-hmm. and one thing I again i'm just i'm going frame by frame and i'm just pausing at different intervals when he says who the hell are you one of the goons in the background has his phone out and he's recording it right and you got so another this, one this like... dude is going to get a, a recorded video of his buddy getting his ass beat by batman right and you even got another one like kind of standing back behind him like ready to jump it's just yeah. like you guys really don't understand what you're going up <laughs> against do you and you know to his credit he hits him like 13 14 times yeah and you hear bones snap you hear mm-hmm. this dude like fall you you hear you hear things break right mm-hmm. and and I love the line delivery. I love that there's no, you know, I love Batfleck. I do. But I also really love it when an actor takes it upon themselves to kind of give Batman a voice. Um, yep. You know, I, I the running joke with, with Bale's Batman is that he sounds like, you know, he's, he's either got throat cancer or he should be part of a metal band, right? <laughs> yep. But I like that. Which, that, which that, is interesting enough, too, because looking back at the those movies, he didn't really have that in the first one. In no. Batman Begins, it was more... 
of a whisper. It was, yeah, kind of it's kind of like, yeah, a little bit of a whisper, kind of like almost like Christian Bale had a sore throat. And then for some reason in the second one, in The Dark Knight, they were just like, let's run with it and let's turn it up some more. Yeah, because when he interrogates Detective Flass in Batman Begins, he does kind of turn on the growl. Yeah. And then they kind of really ran with that in in, in Dark Knight and Rises. Yeah. So here with Pattinson, I think he's just kind of taken a, 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 a Kevin Conroy kind of approach mm-hmm. to it in that, you know, you know, we haven't heard it's Bruce Wayne yet, but I imagine his Bruce Wayne's going to be maybe a little bit more reserved, maybe a little bit more distant, but his Batman voice, you know, his delivery of I'm vengeance is like, it's that perfect hush. It's that perfect like level of, you can't really tell who's underneath that cowl. And it's also that like, it's that little hint of, I just whooped your ass, and there ain't shit your friends can <laughs> yeah. do about it to it, too. And and that's... speaking of his friends, too, uh, again, I'm just freeze-framing it. After he beats him up just before he says, I'm vengeance, there's a quick cut to the goons that were behind him. Mm-hmm. Dude who's got his camera out it now is not smiling anymore, but he's still recording, interesting enough. And one of the other goons, the one who has like the half face paint on his face, he is terrified. Oh, that kid? That's Rob that's that's Tim Drake and Titans. That's Jay Lakurgo. That is? Okay. Yes, yes, he plays Tim Drake and Titans. And um you can actually if you blow it up and get it on a big screen, you can actually see him shed a tear. He's that terrified. Oh yeah. Yep, I see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They are they are all just like oh. Oh. We probably should have taken this guy seriously. Exactly. But also, like, I just like that after Pattinson just delivers him the ass whooping, he kind of, he's over him, and he just kind of, like, when he says, I'm vengeance, he kind of, he kind of puffs up a little bit and says, Mm -hmm. I'm vengeance. Like, you ain't ever going to step to me like that again. I'm like, oh, yeah. And this shot, too, when he's standing over him, when he delivers that line, again, as we've discussed in previous episodes, I'm not a huge fan when they have the long ears on the cowl. Yeah. Totally works for this Batman suit. I think I just might be sold on the fact that this is all taking place in the rain. Yeah. (laughs) Because, look, if you've got the balls to walk up to a guy dressed like a bat and be like, who the hell are you supposed to be? And you swing a bat around and then yeah. he catches your swing and just straight delivers your ass on a platter to you in front of your friends. Breaks, breaks your arm while he's just punching the crap out of you. Right, right. And it's like, dude, I, I'd be like, I, I'm not about it. I don't want it. I, I'm good. Right. Like I, I'd step. Yeah. I would step away. I would not step up. That is terrifying. And that's that's the thing that I appreciate is that we've seen a duality here in Batman in that we've seen him be the detective at a crime scene, but we now also see him as the vigilante justice. Yep. The lethal enforcer. Well, lethal to an extent. Will will he kill? Will he not kill? We'll have to see, but... Oh, this cat's definitely, definitely in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Definitely showing that he's not afraid to uh, do some damage, and I love that. And you know, that's I love it when 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 you've got a Batman who will do that. You know, mm-hmm. I I like that. We don't. We I hate it when when people are like, "Man, Batman should be for kids." It's like, no, Batman's not for kids. Yeah. a lot of no. these characters are not <laughs> for kids. 
they were initially created as comic book characters, but they've evolved well past that. Which is another, and actually, uh, I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about, you know, the possibility of Freeze being in the next one. Mm-hmm. The other villain that I that would make me very interested to see Matt Reeves' interpretation on, given this kind of this pseudo horror theme that he kind of has, like it looks like this is going to be a very kind of mix of, I guess you would say, a thriller and a horror movie in a way with this film I would really like to see his interpretation of man bat oh I like that could you I imagine was, that Matt Reeves doing man bat so I think that's a great choice I actually really like that I, I I thought the same thing because this movie really feels like Chinatown meets Zodiac in, in yeah. more ways than one and with with maybe a little bit of um, oh, what's the word a little bit of heat just a little bit of heat. Yeah. Uh-huh. Seven I, a little bit in a way with the, yes. the murder scenes anyway. I also think that, you know, honestly, before before Circus was cast as Alfred, I thought what would be a fun idea would be, um, since he's played with CGI so much, and even now after Venom, have him play Clayface. Or get uh, Clayface. I, I had a feeling you were going to say Clayface, yeah. Like, I would love to see Clayface in this world because, to your point... It is very like thrillery, noir-ish, maybe even House of Waxy, mm-hmm. and I think Clayface is like right up that alley. Now, if this movie evolves into that, the, the like those things being explored, if the, if this movie is Oof. like that setup for that, I would greatly appreciate it because again, you know, I really don't think that that Matt Reeves is that kind of filmmaker. I don't think he's going to limit himself to just confining Batman into just such a real world. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, very, very curious to see how this is going to evolve. And then straight from that, this trailer is so well done to the the way they edited it. Because right after he delivers that I am a vengeance line, we get the boost up of this movie's version of the Batmobile. And what a Batmobile. Oh, man. This Batmobile immediately climbed into one of my favorites because... yeah. It's an old, I think it's an old school Challenger. I could be wrong about that, but it's obviously some kind of old school muscle car. It's yeah. got like the the pointed tips at the end of it. That turbine is just badass. Mm-hmm. And I like that it feel it feels like a car that he absolutely built himself. Oh yeah. And it's funny because you know. I, there were a lot of people online complaining that they were kind of tired of the tank. I can, I can understand that, but then like, you know, people were like, oh, "Give me a, give me a real car. Give me like maybe a sports car." Pete, I saw, I see this, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is perfect." Mm-hmm. People are complaining. We're complaining about this car not being Batman enough. I'm just like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, the people got to complain about something. Yeah, I guess so. You know. I mean, I'll admit, I was kind of tired of, like, the big, giant, bulky Batmobiles. But this thing, whew, I am totally on board with this. I know. It's it's a really nice departure. And I like that it's also kind of intimidating in its own way, too. Because, yeah. you, you know, you look at that thing, you're like, oh, shit, I don't, I don't want to be on the road if that thing's going to be on the road. Yeah, I can't wait to see. Because you do get a quick glimpse of, it definitely looks like his Batmobile comes careening through some stuff. There's obviously going to be a car chase involved. 
I, I really can't wait to see an action scene car chase with this Batmobile in it. And I think that's also playing into the earlier shot of like Penguin and his goons or yeah. whoever. Yeah, this guy's crazy. With. Yeah, it's it's this guy's crazy. I think that's a chase scene at the docks. I think that's yeah, where I think so that, too. Or you know, at least the east side. I think that's what that's leading to. And yeah, you know that bat. To your point, you know, we see that Batmobile kind of crash out of some debris and go after you know presumably like Penguin and whoever else. And it's like, ooh, I've never I've seen something like that, but I've never seen it feel so not quite fast and furious but just feels so like because it's an actual car this time you know what i mean because there, there yeah. was there was you know the the famous batmobile sequence in in begins and then of course in, in batman versus superman you know the 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 kryptonite chase yeah which ends uh superbly if you will um and then you know, in, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, even that 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 shot of Batman and the Batmobile taking out that army of Parademons driving backwards, like mm-hmm. that's all badass. But this, you know, that actually, you know, the, the I'm really excited to see like a, a a car, like a Batmobile that looks like a legitimate car this time around. You know, yeah. And it's it's he's chasing like the Penguin. That to me feels just so right because I don't know that I've ever seen such a you know i don't know i don't know just based on those little 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 snippets in this trailer of of what that car chase looks like i'm i'm just like yeah i want to see what what that whole sequence looks like you know what i mean yeah how many cars are going to be involved what right. kind of what kind of chaos is going to spill out are they going to are they going to stay mainly in the docks or is this car chase going to end up going into the city right because if it goes into the city that's going to be very interesting now the question I'm wondering is: Is his Batmobile kind of decked out like the '66 Batmobile was in certain ways? Like, will he? Have I kind of hope so. I'm kind of hoping <laughs> so too, because that would be hella cool. Just because there is a quick, um, again, just freeze framing it right after the um, scene of like the turbine winding up. There's just a quick side shot of the of the car. Yep. And I do kind of get that '60s Batmobile vibe from the side of it. I actually really like that it's 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 turbine is blue flamed. Yeah. But you can even also kind of see the red come out of it too. And just even that side shot, like just looking at it from the back, looking at it like yep. in the rain and just man, that that gives me like Batman 408 vibes where he's kind of coming down and Jason Todd's taking the wheels off the Batmobile. I could definitely see something like that happen somewhere down the line, but Yep. But for now, like I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with this being like his one of his first cars. And you know, if if you're if you're really curious and have the time enough, you know, I I have a picture of that of that Batmobile of Batman standing next to it. And if you look at the back engine, you can actually make out a bat symbol. If you look at the front of the car, you can actually kind of make out a bat head um, on the top of the engine piece, on the or at least on top of the hood to some extent. And I, again, oh yeah. Yep, like this car is just just badass. I'm I'm so excited <laughs> to see this car in action. And then from there, we just get a quick shot of a looks like one of those. It definitely looks like another one of these these goons in these in this face paint um, shooting Batman in the chest. I mean, you can even see the bullet if you pause it just right. You can see the bullet ricocheting off of his armor. Yeah, but, I mean he gets him he gets him square in the bat symbol. I mean 
I thought you can was... even see like the impact and the flames around the bat symbol when he shoots him. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting visual that when he gets shot, the bullet ricochets and it does kind of form a flaming bat symbol around his chest yeah. too. And you have to wonder if that if that was choice because um, you know in 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 uh, I think Kevin Smith wrote it in in I think Detective twenty ten twenty seven or even a story before that might have been Detective one thousand. I don't remember which story, which book it was in, but Kevin Smith wrote a story that um, basically uh, he melts down, Bruce Wayne melts down the gun of Joe Chill and puts it as the the emblem chest plate on his suit. Ah, uh, okay. So I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on as well. I and not a, not an exact direct reference, but I, you know the same kind of idea to some extent. That would be kind of interesting. So you know, what if he starts with this suit? with the gun pieces as the bat symbol this shot happens maybe it messes the metal up and maybe he goes back and then he decides well they've messed up my metal chest piece so now i'm going to melt it and make it a legit symbol maybe yeah this also kind of leads him to doing a grapple up this you know i think it's a tall building i'd imagine of some sort and um we get i think you know matt reeves even shared a picture on twitter of a, of a newer shot of him with a grapnel gun because obviously mm -hmm. batman's going to be doing a lot of uh, grappling throughout this film and actually while uh, that grapple shot i'm freeze framing it here i think this could be the fallout of that scuffle he has with the police i wonder if this is in the gotham police station that's what because I as well there are he's grappling up yeah, I, I see a shot here of he's heading up, and there's one cop on his uh, radio probably calling in more police officers, and there's another cop. He is straight up shooting at him. Yep. Oh, yeah. So I think this is the fallout of that scene, of whatever happens between him and the police there. I think this is the the breakout of this, this uneasy union they had, and mm -hmm. I bet you this is where he becomes the official kind of the vigilante to the police and where Gordon and him are going to have to do things kind of on the down low going forward. Oh yeah. And then eventually, you know, it'll get to the point where they have the signal on top of the GCD yeah. and things like that, unless it's already there and we haven't seen it yet. You know, I don't know. Um, then we also get that, that famous shot of Colin Farrell delivering the, 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 the mm -hmm. line, like, yeah, this guy's crazy. We get that shot of, you know, the Batmobile kind of chasing him. And I like that it's, it's, it, you get, you get that, that perspective of, you know, you see Farrell in the driver's seat, but then you also see the Batmobile behind him. That feels right behind him. Yeah. That feels like a, it's not only straight out of the comics, but I've seen that done a couple different ways. Like even, even like, um, the episode we're going to talk about here in a second, you know, Heart of Ice, there's a really sweet chase sequence between Batman and Mr. Freeze. And yeah. I, I love it when you get those really cool chase sequences when Batman uses the Batmobile. And I feel like they're, we're going to see that here with this, with the Penguin. But before, um, before the final header of the trailer pops up, you know, there is one last shot of Batman. Oh, and he I just, love this shot. Yeah, me too. Where he's just rising up and facing down the rest of the goons, and they're all just like, oh, shit. You can kind of see half of them shitting their pants. Yeah. Now, And you got to wonder, was this is this him rising? The only thing I can't tell, I'm guessing this is after he beat the crap out of that guy. Oh, yeah. And now he's rising up, and they're like, oh, crap, now what do we do? And then the the logo itself forms to the Giacchino score, 
you get that that sweet bat logo but the batman yeah just oof i like the red and black because i don't think that's ever been a color motif that's been used yeah. for batman before besides batman beyond obviously oh and batman and robin i just said oh, about it oh yeah <laughs> Darn, darn, darn. Oh, well. I mean, really, the only, the only thing I can think of is Batman Beyond, Batman and Robin, and the Red Sky in the animated series. But really, I mean, um, That's true. besides that, Red has never really been too much of an integration into Batman, you know, besides, like, Red Hood. Yes. Oh, Robin's suit is red. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, our podcast even has red lettering, so... <laughs> But again, in terms of when you think of Batman, oftentimes, more than not, you're not going to think of the color red. This is true. <laughs> you're always going to think of gray, black, blue. Maybe hint Something along those lines. Yeah. And then you get the last shot of him in his cave taking his cowl off. And that's where you get... You're a part of this, too. There's a Paul voiceover Dana that says... Yeah. yeah, you're a part of this. How am I a part of this? You'll see. And if you look close enough, you know, he's in his cave. The Batmobile is up on on uh, on a ramp. So he's, he's obviously doing, like, some kind of maintenance on it. Yeah. But I also like that he takes the cowl off, right? And you just see the face paint on his eyes still. You see mm-hmm. his hair is kind of a mess. You see that he's he's just, you know, he's still, you can get, you just get the sense that he's still figuring shit out. And I like that. And it's interesting, too, looking at him, too. We've never seen Bruce Wayne with, like, longer hair like this, now that I'm kind of thinking about it. He's always had, you know, the short haircut, you know, prim and proper. Really, the only time what Bruce has ever had any kind of long hair is if it was, like, he went out for training and he was gone for a long time or something along those lines. Honestly, I think as long as... We've never really seen had Bruce like this. Honestly, I think the longest his hair would probably ever been on screen was probably The Dark Knight Rises, if not Batman Begins. But I do like here that despite that also it's also long, it's also unkempt. Like it's... it's, Because nine times out of ten, every time his cowl came off in a movie, his hair always looked fine. Here, that's not the case. Yeah. No, it's it's grungy, it's dirty. You can tell he's physically exhausted. Yes. So I almost wonder if this is like after his chase with um Cobblepot. I feel like it's it's got to be either after that or it's also got to be at least um maybe after his his little incursion with the GCPD or even with those goons. Yeah. But yeah, that is the trailer. That is the Batman. That is the trailer that has been being watched on repeat for the over the last year now. And yeah. the new one is 12 days away. Um, since I've actually started working two jobs, I don't think I'll be uh, doing any live reactions to that since I'll probably be working that Saturday. So that's probably going to be all you, Craig. All right. That'd be interesting. I've never done that before, but we'll we'll have to see what happens I, there. I mean, I'm not expecting you to. It's just if you <laughs> if you want to, you know. It definitely would be a first. Yeah, but I'm really excited for this movie. 
um you know i'll always welcome a new batman movie i, I kind of accepted that that it, it with with every live action batman it's inevitable that there's going to be another one after it and you know at first i was very dismissive of this even happening begin with obviously because of everything that happened with ben affleck but you know the yep. fact that i've grown up a batman fan and i've seen so many versions of this character happen on screen it's actually I accepted I had an easier time accepting this one happening as opposed to just being vitriolic and toxic and just angry at the fact that I wasn't getting something that isn't you know likely to happen anytime soon yeah and as of right now the fandom trailer the official one is at 33 and a half million views which is that's impressive I'm very curious to see the 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 all the numbers on that that trailer after it comes out because spider-man has Spider-Man No Way Home has the most views for a movie trailer since Avengers Endgame. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it topped like 355 million or something within first couple days. So I'm, I'm very... And Batman, honestly, is the only character that can, you know, keep up with, with Spider-Man and, you know, a lot of the Marvel stuff on a, on a financial perspective. So I'm curious to see just how many views that trailer will have within the first, you know, 24, 48 hours. Yeah. Very curious indeed. Um, do you have any hopes or wishes? Anything you want to see more of in the in the new trailer? Uh, I just you know, like since we've been discussing it, I want to see what Alfred looks like. That's that's actually one thing I really want to see. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely want to see just a little bit. The thing is, too, I'm so intrigued by this movie. I honestly don't want to see much more because I just I want to be able to experience this film and I'm I'm just always worried when trailers keep coming out that you're going to run into those situations where just too much is shown mm -hmm. and I, I just hope that doesn't end up being the case with this yeah um, you know more oftentimes than not a trailer just gives away so much to get people hyped up and ready for the film that I honestly I hope they don't give away too much because I want to see this interpretation of this character that you and I both love, I want to see it from beginning to end and just be pleasantly surprised with whatever comes through with the film. Mm. Yeah. You know what? I don't, I don't, I don't think I can really add much more to that. Um, I think the only real check off for me, the only lit thing I'll, I'll add a checklist for, um, I'm right there with you. I really just want to see Alfred. I want to see what Andy mm -hmm. Serkis look like, looks like as Alfred. Um, maybe just a bit more of the Riddler. Like I maybe, maybe want to see what else he's work, what else he's got up his sleeves. Um, yeah. You, I'll, I'll always take a little bit more of that Batmobile. I mean, shit, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that thing roars with ferocity and I'm, I'm here for it. Absolutely. Um, but outside of that, I think, you know, I would also be okay with, uh, some Selena Kyle dialogue. I, I, yeah. I'd be okay with that. But right maybe there just you. a quick a quick snippet maybe of of uh, obviously I'm guessing there's going to be a fight scene between him and those goons after he kicks the crap out of that one guy so maybe just give us a quick little snippet of how he handles multiple assailants at once I do also want to see just at least a shot or something of uh, Carmine Falcone by John, John Turturro yeah definitely um yeah, and also obviously you know probably more Giacchino score if they if they 
score the trailer two hit i would imagine they would because they scored the first one to his musical pieces to something in the way by nirvana yeah so and maybe you know what ashley now that i think about it too i want to hear his bruce wayne i want to hear what robert pattinson sounds like yeah bruce wayne. actually yeah now that you've mentioned that that i definitely want to hear that like that's what i because we've seen we've heard him say you know i'm vengeance but now i, I want to hear what his bruce wayne sounds like I mean, because just given the shots we've seen of him, you know, the brief shots we've seen of him as Bruce Wayne, he definitely looks more like a, like, I don't want to say like a recluse, but a very, not so much of a, you know, a playboy billionaire Bruce Wayne. He doesn't really give that, that playboy vibe yet, does he? I don't, again, I don't know. He does, he does seem very dedicated as opposed to very, you know, out in the world. Which very well may be a, a learning experience for him. Maybe maybe this will kind of make him realize, you know, you know, what if the Riddler kind of finds out who he is just based on these these habits? Yeah, you know, so it might be a learning experience for him. But you know, we'll leave it up to listeners. Do you guys have any uh, any thoughts or wishes for the new Batman trailer? Do you guys have any uh, love dislikes? Let us know. You know, we have a we have an email, eternal eternalnightpod at gmail.com. We also have Twitter and Instagram pages, so feel free to DM us there. And if you do think that the second movie is going to have Mr. Freeze, how many of you are hoping that Arnold Schwarzenegger reprises his role, his iconic role as Mr. Freeze? I really should <laughs> just hang up on you right now. I I I, I, I am <laughs> Just, you know, I'm not going to let this go. This is going to be a running theme, a theme in our uh, podcast going forward. You know that, right? It's going to keep going until we just do the the commentary <laughs> for Batman exactly. and Robin. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, Batman and Robin, or even just you know Mister Freeze in general. Mr. Freeze, yeah. See, I, I I led us into it. That was intentional. I I, I can appreciate that. Just just kind of. <laughs> kind of lighten up and chill out with the the batman and robin references all right everybody chill As you all know, if you've been listening along the last couple episodes, we are going through Batman the Animated Series on HBO Max, and we have finally landed on arguably the best of the best, if not one of the best, if not the best episode. I would yeah. put, I would put it in the category of one of the best of the best, and it, it is uh, episode, at least in, as far as on HBO Max's listing, this is Heart of Ice, written by Paul Dini and directed by Bruce Timm, the Power Hour team that is the brains behind a lot of this show. Yeah, I mean this. I, I would have to agree. This, if it is not the best episode, it has got to be in the top three. I mean, this is just an absolute perfect episode from beginning to end. 
oh, the writing in it is absolutely phenomenal. Every sense of the word. Like, Paul Dini does not pull punches here. I have nothing bad to say about this episode at all. No. And honestly, um, I watched it again just before we uh, we started this. I honestly believe this could have been, honestly, the best episode to put as the first episode of the show. Oh. Because I really feel like it addresses everything in Batman in this single, what, 20-minute episode? Yes. Covers everything. It covers one of his most iconic villains. It introduces you to Batman, shows you a little bit of the relationship between him and Alfred. You see the Bruce Wayne side of him. You see how he deals with characters as Bruce Wayne. You see how he deals with characters as Batman, the interaction between him and the villain. This is a perfect episode. If you have someone who maybe doesn't know Batman or maybe you're introducing your kids to Batman, this is an episode. This is the absolute perfect episode to show them. I think also uh, Michael and Sarah, rest in peace notorious as the voice of mr freeze throughout the entirety a lot of a lot of this and other appearances in this animated universe he was he's always just been my perfect choice of mr freeze anytime i read a comic and mr freeze is in it i hear michael and sarah's voice yeah actually that was the very first note i have on because the episode starts with a quick little dialogue of mr freeze right that voice is just it literally it's it sounds cold it he has this the way he delivers his lines and the tone of his voice just it literally gives you chills yeah yeah he does a very michael and sarah delivered just a hell of a performance anytime he played mr freeze no matter what episode it was in or even with uh batman sub-zero the movie yeah and you know, even that that last bit that he delivers in the very beginning of the episode, you know, revenge is a dish best served cold. Uh-huh. That's always been a, a mainstay, iconic line that people would remember from this. Yep. And, you know, this this episode kind of opens up. Goth Corp is being targeted by a man with a freeze gun. Go figure. And the head of Goth Corp is actually voice, uh, character is Ferris Boyle, but fun fact, voiced by none other than Mark Hamill. Now, this is actually the episode that he was on before he got asked to be the Joker. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I think he did this, he did the voice of Ferris Boyle, and then once um, Tim Curry had stepped away, they had asked Mark to come in and, and do it, do the Joker. Hmm. Very interesting. I yeah. never knew that. Yeah. But yeah, he do- and it's also interesting because Ferris Boyle and um, the other guy from Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, they, they sound alike because again you know mark hamill voices jordan uh shit what is it jordan price there we go jordan price ferris boyle what if they're distant related cousins maybe (laughs) but this episode again you know like we were talking about i think it's one of the best the best and mr freeze his him and his crew they drive this giant armored vehicle and i feel like that is very much the same kind of inspiration they use for Batman. Honestly, I think Batman and Robin is just largely a, a live-action, goofier take on this episode. It, it is. It really is. With other elements of other episodes kind of mixed in, because um, obviously, you know, Batman and Robin had a point where, where Robin got frozen. That happens in the animated series in another episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. 
but that that vehicle that Freeze uses, I I've, I looked at that in this episode. I was like, oh, okay, and I I know exactly where I've seen that before. Uh huh. And that car chase that they have. Yeah. Beautiful. Chef's kiss. Especially back to the the Shirley Walker score, just so good. And again, and actually the ending result of that chase when Batman is trying to, you know, apprehend them and Freeze is shooting his um, ice gun around, he ends up hitting one of his henchmen in the legs. Ah, yes. And Freeze uh, just tells them to abandon the guy. He's like, you know, if he he should have been more aware of the situation, leave him behind. And Batman's torn. And again, this episode is such a good showcase of everything that is Batman because he wants to go pursue Freeze. But there's this guy, granted he's a henchman for this criminal, but he's Bruce cannot let that guy just suffer on his own. He knows that, I mean, chances are if nothing, if no one comes to help the guy, I mean, it's, he's either A, going to die or B, get his legs amputated. So Bruce takes him back to the cave and uh warms them up (laughs) well also you know mr freeze is shown to be you know you see why he's so motivated to do what he does because obviously he's very irritated at the fact that he lost his wife he's only got one mission in line he's not out like robin banks he's not out doing shit for Mm -hmm. sport like the joker or the riddler he's not out you know um or even oh he's not out like catwoman like doing it for the fun of it like he's got you know he's got a very specific kind of revenge to what he's doing (laughs) revenge right you know you you see you see him and batman as as like you know you see the mirror between him and batman you see what drives them both to do what they do and i feel like that that's that's a very um that's something that's lost upon a lot of you know largely lost upon and when you've got Mr. Freeze, and he tells him, like, you know, since you ally yourself with my enemies, you leave me no choice. He's like, look, I don't even want to deal with you right now. Like, I don't even Uh have any desire to have you in my conflict, but if you make yourself part of it, I have no issue taking you out of it. He's very direct and upfront, and I've always really liked that about Mr. Freeze. I know, again, you know, this is about a guy who lost his wife, uses a freezing gun, and has absolutely not a care for the world, even his own goons. That's what I loved. And that's what I like in a great villain because he's he's to an extent he was kind of right he's like look if you're gonna like be my villain if you're gonna be my henchman you see what i use you know how i operate like pay attention he's not like the joker in any way shape or form like mr freeze is a smart dude so him like telling his other goons like no leave him it's his Uh fault like if he if he should have been more careful not my problem. Like, if he loses his legs, oh, well, whatever. Like, and, you know, even towards the later end, towards the latter half of the episode, when Batman and Mr. Freezer, you know, can, they have a couple heart-to-hearts here and there. And even so, not not so much in a, in a very, you know, specific kind of way, but in a very, like, you know, almost human, because that's, that's what Batman does in a lot of ways. He reaches out from a very human perspective. And he, he even tells Mr. Freeze at some point in the episode, you know, I'm, I, I'm sorry about your wife. And Freeze even responds with, you know, emotions are frozen dead to me, and they have been for a long time. Like, essentially saying, I don't need your sympathy, but thanks, I guess. Yeah, uh, I actually wrote down a line that he he says so many iconic lines in this episode. And it it is, it actually is kind of interesting to to look at this and look at 
Batman and Robin, which was just filled with ice puns. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this animated episode, everything he says is somehow related to freezing or ice or cold, but he does it in such a good way. Uh, the line that I have is he put, um, uh, what is this? it would move me to tears if I still had tears to shed. Yes. And then um, later on when he confronts Boyle, the cold eyes of vengeance are upon you, Boyle. That's the kind of writing you want from a character like this. Exactly. And I feel like this this episode actually, I think, won an Emmy. This is the one that really put them on the map for notoriety. I mean, it absolutely kind of deserves award. it. I don't remember what it was exactly, but terrible Batman fan of me. Slap the hand. <laughs> But seriously, like, to your point, like, that's what really does kind of settle what really stands this version of Mr. Freeze apart from Arnold Schwarzenegger's was because, you know, he, mm-hmm. he was there to make a lot of jokes and be, you know, this big, goofy villain, right? Like, kind of play it in a 60s kind of fashion. Whereas here, Paul Dini took it from a very, you know, going to get a lot of shit for this, realistic perspective mm-hmm. in that you've got a very, you know, disturbed man who's just trying to save his wife but he gets screwed by corporate america mm-hmm. and essentially goes no i'm not gonna be another tragedy and cover-up in in today's world no i'm going to save my wife and i'm gonna do it by any means necessary oh and now i'm forced to live in a sub-zero environment because of you yes i'm going to take my revenge because you don't you know it, it, it's very telling it's very relatable yeah, actually, you can see it, too, in the scene in the episode where um, they're doing an interview with Boyle and he talks about how, you know, oh, we're our corporation. We're very, you know, we're all about humanity. We're very compassionate to our employees. And we mm-hmm. care about everyone. And then freeze, uh, you know, shoots his gun, freezes the TV and just says compassion, humanity. Where were those pretty words when she needed help? Exactly. He's just he's he's done. He's not going to tolerate it anymore. And it's a flip of the switch when Boyle has that meeting with Bruce Wayne and he tells him, you know, when all the wage stuff yeah. start rioting is when we start, you know, and it's just like, yeah, where does that feel familiar? Yep. <laughs> Big CEO looking down on his workforce like, huh, y'all think your opinions matter, huh? And it's like, dude, could not be any more relatable to today's world. And it's like, you you, you can understand why Mr. Freeze of all his villains almost in a way feels justified of doing what he needs uh-huh. to do. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you're still, you're still freezing people and killing people. That's not okay. Yeah. That's not cool. <laughs> Pun lightweight intended. And but, he's a formidable uh, opponent for Batman as well. Yes, like when is. they start fighting and he says, uh, I think he says something along the lines of like this suit while also keeping me, you know, you know, alive with the cold. Um, I think he said like something like, yeah, three, enhances like his strength times. like two or three times. Yeah. yeah. So he's not just a, a threat to Batman with his freeze gun. If they have to go hand to hand, he can, <laughs> he can hand Batman if he wants to. Right. Like, you know, he, not only is he formidable from a long range distance, he's formidable up front. Like, you know, that suit enhances his physique and strength by, by quite a bit. And, you know, Batman, again, this is a man, in a costume there's probably some armored padding there I've seen it in a couple different episodes you know but you know he's got a a utility belt but outside of that that's it 
Mm-hmm. And this episode proves it. Like, he gets frozen a couple different times, which, again, you know, suspension of disbelief. He doesn't stay frozen for very long. Yeah. But I also, he gets a cold, though. He, he does get a cold. Alfred mentions <laughs> the only way to fight a cold with chicken soup, and this actually does come in handy. Yep. Which I th- I, I actually forgot about that. I, I forgot about how this episode ends. That's what I, yeah, I forgot about it, too, until I watched it again. But also, you see Batman witness the origin of Mr. Freeze. And it's like, mm-hmm. that in and of itself is just, like, you're watching it along with him. And, he, and his reaction is, is perfect. He's like, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, even he's astonished at, like, the fact that, oh, wow, Boyle's <laughs> kind of screwed up, too. I ain't gonna That's why this, this guy is doing what he's doing. Exactly. So it's almost like Batman can see, like, I can see why he's doing this. Do I agree with it? No. But do I see why? Yes. And then he turns around, and sure enough, there's Freeze waiting for him. And he's like, yep. and then they have that, to his to, to Freeze's point, and to Freeze's knowledge, like, he takes Batman a, kind of as hostage. He takes his bat he takes his utility belt from him that's smart i noticed that too yep and that where is where you see the other thing that makes mr freeze so formidable he's he thinks about that kind of stuff exactly no one every time you've seen batman captured by a villain they never take off his utility belt freeze was first thing he did after he captured bruce wayne or batman takes off the utility belt exactly and also I also find it hysterical. I do. I truly do. That Batman and Robin kind of rips off the plot of this in that they decide to build a giant freezing gun, but turn it worldwide. Mm-hmm. Instead, here in the episode, it's a giant freezing gun, but it's only enough to freeze a whole building. That's cool. Yeah. Again, pun And I do of- like how um, they say, I think it's actually in the episode, I think one of his henchman actually says it like oh but if we you know if we freeze the whole building then everybody inside it is gonna die not just uh boil that you're after and he's like i don't care yeah he's like a means to an end you know like yeah he he just uh, he's like he's fine with it you know he's like you know if if these people are willing to because obviously he's operating off of you know firsthand knowledge of the the kind of person that boil is and he's obviously kind of assuming that if these people are okay with feeding into his nonsense then they probably at least from his perspective don't deserve to breathe the same air as him yep and this is actually something i caught before i watched you know before we started recording i watched as well um when batman stops the giant freezing gun and takes out the first goon if you take a close enough look the logo the batman logo on his chest the colors of it are reversed i saw that too yeah i I actually i wrote that down here too I thought that was a neat little little goof there yeah. in the animation. I thought that was actually yep. pretty funny. And that also that also right after that gives us a really funny scene cuz that's the other thing I appreciate about this show is they do throw in humor here and there and it's not oftentimes dialogue. It's usually just kind of character reactions because you know he knocks out that goon, he's getting himself adjusted, you see a goon sneaking up behind him and he just bam backhands him. One one quick punch and knocks that guy out without even looking. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he proceeds to make his way up. And I like that Freeze also uses the um, the freeze gun along with the water hydrant to blast himself yeah. up into the building. Yeah. I I kind of want to see that in live action. 
it, it, it they kind of did it in Batman and Robin, but he's kind of descending down into, into the the yeah the vault. But I actually want to see him use a, a fire hydrant go up. But you know, surf literally surfing on the ice. <laughs> yes, yes, I really want to see that. But then you know this this comeuppance happens in in kind of the third act of the episode, and you know. I forgot that Batman broke Mr. Freeze's dome with the chicken soup. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot that that happened. Yeah. But then Batman, you know, to his credit again, as the hero he is, delivers the evidence of Boyle, you know, walking away from the Freeze incident and kind of, you know, covering it up and showing Burying it. it. Burying it, right. And it's like, okay, there is a little bit of justice here to be served. But then we also just tragically see what happens to Mr. Freeze and he's left in Arkham to just kind of, you know, stay on ice. Yeah. Apparently too. Uh, Cause I always, I always look up, you know, Wikipedia just kind of get little interesting facts about every episode. Right. And apparently the planned ending for that scene, it was still going to be freeze in his jail cell. Um, but what Tim and Dini wanted to do was at the very end of the episode, the last shot you would have seen is him looking at, you know, his, um, that little globe that he has that reminds him of his wife. But mm-hmm. then he was going to start crying and his tears were going to freeze and turn into snowflakes. Oh, wow. Just like in the movie. How ironic. Yeah. I, I don't know if that, if, if I would have, that would have been cool, but I'm curious to see how the animation of that would have worked. Yeah. And I almost wonder if that's why they didn't do it because they weren't sure how at that time back then with what they had, you know, what's the best way they can make it look. Right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm very curious about that now and I'm going to be thinking about that for like the next hour or two. <laughs> well, Craig, our next episode or episodes, because they're it's two part, uh, Feet, Feet of Clay. Yes. Getting to Clayface, uh, Matt Hate, the Matt Hagen version, because that's one they decided for for the animated series. Um, one of my favorite interpretations. Uh, you know, it's actually funny. I, I was uh, boarding bags and books at the store, and I saw the the story in Detective Comics, the Mud Pack, which is a Clayface story, and I might I might actually pick that up. Hmm. So yeah, and come to think of it, you know, out of all the villains that I've seen in the in the comics that I have read, I don't think I've read anything with Clayface. It's very interesting, you know, kind of going back and reading older comics. Um, I think even in the year one run that Chuck Dixon did for Nightwing, there's a little bit of Clayface there. But even now that I'm thinking about it, um, there really isn't too much Mr. Freeze in comics that I've read outside of uh, Night of the Owls and maybe a a few select other stories. So I'm going to have to do some digging there. Because again, you know, Mr. Freeze, Riddler, and Clayface are some of my favorite villains, and, and I always welcome more time with them and of them. But I mean, I guess there isn't too much we can expect. I mean, Mr. Freeze did get uh, mauled to death by a giant uh, evil bat in Batman versus TMNT. So this is true. This is very true. Rest in peace, Freeze. Rest in peace, Mr. Bear Freeze. Freeze Bear, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. I don't know. Well, Craig, my friend, this I think coming kind of coming up on the two hour mark. Uh, yeah. Always a blast chatting the bat with you, mon frere. Yes, sir. That was a good that was a good breakdown. I enjoyed 
just going over every little detail about that trailer and who come to think, you know, two weeks from now, we're going to be doing this again with uh, another trailer. Oh, yeah. Oh, 110%. Fine, folks, you can guarantee we'll be talking about the new trailer for The Batman on this show. Not long after it debuts, we we will absolutely make the time for it. I know I've, I'm very, very busy lately with certain other things going on in the background in the real world, like, uh, you know, two jobs and trying to start looking for another place to live. But we will absolutely be talking about that trailer here. Um, and also, I've got a couple other things in the pipeline for a couple of the other shows. So just just stay patient, folks. If you're out there listening, we appreciate you guys listening on this journey to everything Batman related in his world, Dark Knight and Detective. Uh, Craig, my friend, where can people find you if they would like to interact with you on any social media platform? Well, social media, you can find me on Instagram at Craigie Omega, C-R-A-I-G-G-Y-O-M-E-G-A. And uh, if any of you are gamers by chance, I have just recently become part of uh, the PC gaming world. So I am kind of dipping my toes in there. If anybody's looking to play anything online or shoot me suggestions or anything like that this is my first time ever jumping into pc gaming um i am on steam at the same thing at craigie omega so you can find me on there as well very cool it's always a blast my friend you were the perfect alfred to my batman or even you know anything in that that kind of realm we have a very batman gordon relationship batman alfred relationship or even like batman from a batman another batman multiverse relationship whatever you want to call yeah. it and if y'all want to follow along with me on socials, you can just follow me along uh, just at unfiltered Twitter, Vero, Instagram. And you can also follow along with this show. Uh, just search T-E-K underscore podcast uh, just on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. If y'all want to interact with us again, you can leave us an email just at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. And if you'd all like, we'd appreciate it. It helps the show get noticed. Leave us a review on iTunes, and I do believe we actually have one here. So let me just go ahead and read that one off. Yeah, actually, that's what I was. I was just going to give a shout out. I just wanted to say appreciate those of you that have left us reviews. Um, it's really great actually seeing the feedback on what we're doing here. Yes, first review came up a couple weeks ago, September nineteenth, from QCA underscore Mista underscore J. Lots of people claim to love the bat, but very few have the immense passion that Philip and Craig have for the character. If you love the Batman as much as you say you do, this is the show for you. Nothing makes a podcast better than hosts that have not only love when they talk about, but get excited discussing it from beginning to end every episode. I'm pretty sure that is Jared Boots of the Nerd Dieted Nation podcast. So Jared, once again, thank you, my friend. Always appreciate the love. Always appreciate the reviews. So thank you again, man. It's always lovely interacting with you and Melissa from Nerd Night of Nations. But yeah, I think that is where we are going to put a pin in it for this episode. Uh, Craig, any final thoughts? Anything you want to follow up with? Lastly? Uh, no, nothing else. Fandom uh, is the 16th, correct? That is correct, yes. 16th. Okay. That's going to be, actually, now that I think about it, that's going to be an interesting week because you got Fandom on the 16th, and then three days later, um, the Ingested Animated Movie comes out. Yes. So we're that's going to be a packed week. On top of the fact that we're now blessed with, um, <laughs> you know, um, Long Halloween now on uh, mm-hmm. HBO Max. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure we'll have to uh, get around to talking about that. 
before yeah, we got know. a packed schedule ahead of us yes we do yes we do and it is going to be very interesting to get to that i'm sure well we are definitely going to just have to plot out days and times so we can get get to all this huh <laughs> yeah well don't worry fine friends we will absolutely let you guys know uh we are signing off for the night and again we appreciate you thanks again for listening stay safe as always wear your masks and tell your friends about us we really appreciate it thank you again have a great night or day thank you everyone i'm vengeance You're part of this too. How am I part of this? You'll see. Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you. <laughs>